This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Karen and welcome to episode 18 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I wanted to share a discussion on a couple shows about autistic people that are on Netflix now. I had been aware of both of them. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Atypical and Love on the Spectrum. I'd been delaying watching them because I was worried that I would be cringing the whole time, um, not really liking what I saw. So I finally did watch all of Love on the Spectrum. I watched the entire season one all the way through. And I watched the first episode of Atypical and got about five to 10 minutes into the second episode, and then I just had to turn it off. So I wanted to just share a little bit about what I thought, my perspective, and just my take on them, just what I thought about them and whether or not I'm going to keep watching them. But before I get started in the episode, I wanted to remind you that I know that as we're listening to this episode, it is late July. So depending on where you are, you might be getting ready to go back to school. Some people go back to school early August. Some people go back mid-August, early September. But either way, you might be thinking about going back to the school year. And a lot of people are almost all going back to in-person learning or some form of it. So 
we've got to start thinking about how to get organized and ready. And if you are in the summer schedule now and things are a little bit unstructured and you're wondering, how are we going to get to the point where we're back in the school schedule and a little bit more organized? If you have struggled with that transition in the past with your kids, then I wanted to remind you about the time tracking journal. So the time tracking journal is a tool that you can use as a parent to help your kids stay organized and focused with specific tasks that might be either difficult to them or just a non-preferred task. Something like homework, something like doing their chores or just cleaning up after themselves. Things that you can usually afford to be a little more lax with over the summer, but not so much in the fall when you're back at school. So the time tracking journal just walks you through a strategy that you can use to help teach your kids the self-talk that they need to keep themselves on track and focused and also to be able to look at a task and figure out what the end looks like. What does finished look like and how do I get there? A lot of times when kids are procrastinating with things that you want them to do and they just don't seem motivated to do, it's because they don't have a strategy and they aren't really sure where to get started. And as a result, they're getting overwhelmed. So with the time tracking journal, I will show you how to walk your kids through this, coach them through it so that they can be more independent which, of course, is going to make things easier for you in the long run. So to grab the time tracking journal, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal, and you'll be able to sign up. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. All right, so let's talk about Atypical and Love on the Spectrum. Both of these shows are on Netflix, so I wanted to end on a positive note. So I'm going to talk about Atypical first. Before I get into this, I did want to say, if you do have young ears present, this might be a time where you might want to listen to this first before you decide if you want to have your younger kids, you know, younger than 18, be listening to this because there are some adult topics because we're talking about a 17, 18 year old boy who's dating. So you might want to put your earbuds in right now if you have young ears present. Um, that is also why this episode is rated explicit just because of one thing that I'm going to talk about really quickly here in just a few minutes. So let's talk about the show. Atypical is a show about a boy who is a senior in high school and, and he's autistic. There's, I think, four seasons right now. And I got through the first episode of the first season and a little bit of the second episode. And I just couldn't stop cringing and had to turn it off because there were a lot of things that I did not like about it. I will say that I don't think the acting is great. That's not that's not the bigger issue here, but that personally I found hard to watch. So there's that. But really the bigger issue is how they portrayed autistic people on the show. I will say that I only watched the first episode and I know that the show got a lot of criticism after the first season because they did not include 
as a lot of input from autistic people when they made the show and and people didn't like that. And so they have since included some autistic actors and consultants since that first season. So it might have gotten better. I'm not sure if you've watched the show and you think it's gotten better. I'd love to hear your input on that. But I'm just going to really talk about that first episode and what I didn't like about it. (laughs) There were a lot of things. So my first impression was that when they were explaining different things, because there are different parts of the episodes where it's just it's just like your typical show, you're just watching a narrative. But also there are some times when there's monologue of the main character just saying things and explaining things, saying, you know, sometimes I get words in my head or sometimes this happens and he's explaining things and experiences that he's having. And while some of them are sort of in the ballpark, the way that they actually play out when you see him behave and act, you can just really tell that he's not autistic and it just doesn't come off authentic And I can give a couple specific examples, but one of the main things that really jumped out at me in that first episode was that they just had him say random stuff. And they he would just say a bunch of, you know, things that a neurotypical person, so a person who is not autistic, would think of as oversharing or off topic or even people might think of as, quote, weird. And I'm using my, you know, my quotes there because, you know, again, that's just their perspective. But there were certain times when he would be in the middle of a conversation with with someone and they would just have him say random stuff. And and that's really just an oversimplified explanation of what's actually happening when an autistic person is having a conversation with someone, for example. So I have worked with with a lot of people who are on the spectrum, and sometimes the report that I will get from teachers or parents is that they might say things that seem kind of random, off topic, or they perseverate on one topic that is a topic of interest, and they ignore what the other person is saying in the conversation. They're not paying attention to the cues of the conversation, and Sometimes, unfortunately, the perception of those people who are making those reports to me, they might say things like, oh, they just say things that are weird and quirky. So when they actually portrayed that on the show, they just had this person who is neurotypical just say random stuff. And what is actually happening is that Autistic people, when they are conversing with someone, when they're in a situation that requires them to read nonverbal cues, they just don't process those nonverbal cues. So things like body language, intonation, they don't process and use those the same way that neurotypical people do. So there might be times during a conversation when you might have to pay attention to those subtle nuances to know what the other person might be expecting you to do in that situation, and they just might not be queuing into those things. And yes, that might, to a neurotypical person, look like that person is just saying things that are all over the place. 
But really what's probably happening is that in that person's head, in the autistic person's head, there might be a reason that they're saying all of those things. One example that's common is if there is a topic of interest that they like to talk about and they're really excited, they just are able to really pay attention to so many different details about that particular topic. And the way that they like to connect with people might be that they like to share all of that information that they know, which sometimes, unfortunately, when I have had some experiences in the past, other people in that conversation may have perceived it as, oh, they're a know-it-all, they're not listening to what I'm saying, when really it's just a difference in the way that they're wanting to connect. And that's not going to be the case for every autistic person, but it could be an example that might happen, and it's something that I have seen before. And so it's really a difference in perception with just the different types of communication and the difference in in conversing and things like that. And what often happens is that sometimes those behaviors and the meaning behind them is misunderstood. And so I think that when the producers of this show initially tried to portray that, they weren't taking into account all these subtle nuances of everything that might be going through that person's head when they're having a conversation. And it's really hard to explain with words why it didn't look real, but it just didn't look real. You could just tell that that actor and the way that they were portraying him, at least in that first episode, it just did not come across authentic. And you could just tell that he wasn't really autistic and that the way that he was act, it just wasn't believable for me, at least. And I think that a lot of other people would agree with me as well on that. Now, of course, is it useful for an autistic person to know that a neurotypical person might think a certain thing about the way they're behaving? Of course, but does it mean that they have to change the way that they're behaving to act like a neurotypical person? No, not necessarily, but it can definitely be useful to have an understanding of the different ways that a neurotypical person versus an autistic person might have a conversation or converse or act or just how they might respond to different nonverbal cues and which ones they might want to pay attention to. So yes, in some situations, those differences are relevant to point out, but the first step is understanding them. And so I think that if you're going to have a show that is supposed to portray an autistic person, it's really important to do that accurately because otherwise support systems for autistic people end up being more about just helping them look like neurotypical people instead of just helping them achieve their goals. Intervention shouldn't be about making you look like someone you're not. It should be about helping you achieve what you want to achieve. And whether you're neurotypical or autistic, that's going to impact how that looks for you. And on that note, I just had to comment on a conversation that happened in that episode between Sam, the main character, and his sister, Casey. 
So she's talking to him about girls because a big topic in that first episode is about him dating. And she's giving him advice about how to talk to girls. So Sam is really into penguins. And the advice that she gave him was just don't talk about penguins. And he said, well, what if they like penguins? And her response was, just assume that they don't. And that is one of the the biggest problems with a lot of the interventions or the perception of these interests is that we have to take them away or completely stop them or stifle them in some way. And I've seen this in practice where... Kids have been told just you you can't talk about that when you go up and you talk to this group of friends or when you go up to kids on the playground or in the lunchroom, you can't talk about this topic. Just talk about what they're talking about. And that's almost the way that they're trained in these therapies to converse with people. And yes, of course, is it helpful to know that when you're having a conversation with someone that you should pay attention to what they're saying and make comments that are relevant to what that other person is wanting to talk about. Is it relevant to think about the other person's perspective and how they might be feeling and how what you're saying might be impacting what how they're feeling? Of course, all of that is helpful, but we don't want to take it too far and tell someone that they can't talk about something that they like to talk about and that they're interested in. What if instead we just said, hey, okay, yes, in some situations, people might not like you talking about this thing all the time, but what if instead we encouraged them to find other people that also liked to talk about that topic and similar topics? In this situation, what if Sam found a girlfriend that was really into science and biology? What if he could actually use that as a way to connect with somebody else? Why do we have to just assume that no girls are going to be interested in this? What if we instead encouraged him to find someone who was? I imagine that if you had a friend who was looking to date someone, you wouldn't tell them, well, just assume that the people that you're talking to aren't going to be interested in that thing that you really like doing. You should just instead pretend to be interested in all the things that they're interested in. We would never tell someone to do that. So why would we tell an autistic person to do that? It just makes no sense. And it's just not, (laughs) I just did not think that was a great message to send. All right, the last part, and I could go on and on about this, but there was one other thing that It doesn't even specifically have to do with autism, but I just didn't like the way that they talked about sex in this show. And and again, this is the part that I said, well, this may or may not be something that you want your kids to listen to. But one of the things that came up when Sam went on a date with, with a girl in the first episode was that one of the pieces of information that he shared was that he had never had sex before. And then there were some other conversations with the sister and her friends and talking about intimacy and those types of things. And they just made it a really big deal that 
he was a virgin and that he hadn't had sex before. And same with her. They were making a big deal about what she was or wasn't doing. And these kids are in high school. And I know that there are people in high school who are having sex. But at the same time, I just wasn't a huge fan of them making it weird that certain people weren't having sex. Obviously, intimacy is going to be part of dating, but they almost made it seem like that was all it was. They didn't have any portrayal of doing shared activities together or even the parts where on the date with Sam, for example, them having a conversation. It was just this really short clip. And then all of a sudden, it's all about sex. It's never always about that especially not when you're in high school and and not when you're an adult either. And I just thought that was just very poorly done. There was this scene with Sam, with the girl in the dorm room, and I won't get into details, but I didn't think it was a great portrayal of a first date for someone in high school (laughs) or a first date for anybody for that matter. And I especially did not think it was something that would be helpful for kids to see if you have teenagers who are watching this show. And I definitely don't think it would be particularly helpful to someone who is wanting to learn how to navigate the dating scene. So those are my thoughts. I'd be curious what your thoughts are. And I'd also be interested if you've watched the other seasons, if it gets better. I don't know if I have the patience to stick around and find out Based on what I saw in the first episode, um, it was just (laughs) a lot of cringing going on. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to give it another shot or not, but I'd love to hear people's feedback and thoughts. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about Love on the Spectrum. Also a Netflix series. There is one season. I believe there is talk of there being a second season, but I don't know for sure. So don't quote me on that. First, I'm going to talk about the things I did not like about the the show. And then I'm going to wrap up with the things that I did like, because overall, I, I enjoyed watching this. Um, I did not think it was perfect in the way that it was done. But I appreciated the intention behind it. There is real people in the show. Joe and I binged the entire first season in one evening. And then the next weekend, we binged it again with Olivia. So we did like it, um, or we did enjoy watching it. And I do intend to continue watching it because I do think that in spite of some of the things that I'm going to share, I think, you know, it was the first season. Hopefully the producers will take the feedback that they're getting from the autistic community and make it better. I know that that sort of happened with Atypical as well, but (laughs) yeah, Again, like I said, I'm not sure if I have the patience for that one, but I will definitely keep watching Love on the Spectrum. So let me talk about what I did not like and some of the negative feedback that I have heard that I agree with. So to tell you a little bit about the show, if you are not familiar, this is a reality show about real life autistic people who are navigating the dating world and trying to find love. Adults, obviously, I think all of them are at least in their 20s. 
some of them a little bit older. They have actually two couples that are in committed relationships. And then they also had some single people who wanted to start dating. And so the documentary was, was just them going on dates and talking about their experiences. And then with the couples, it was them talking about what they are doing in their relationships. And there are a couple big, exciting things that happened for some of them, but I don't want to give away any spoilers here. Uh, or or at least I don't want to give away too many spoilers here. One of the things that was noticeable was that overall the show, as far as the people in the show, it was very white and straight. Of the people who went on dates, all but two of them were white. So there wasn't a ton of diverse representation there. And then also... Most of the people who were showcased on the series were straight. There was one girl who was bisexual, but they really didn't have a lot of diversity there. And in the autistic community, there are definitely a lot of people who do not identify as straight, who do not identify as a man or a woman. So... I think that one point of improvement for the future for the show is that I do hope they include some other people aside from just white straight people. The second thing that I didn't love about the show was that there were times it came off a little bit condescending. One example would be even just little things like the music that they played in the background on some of the dates. It was kind of like music that you would expect to hear on some cat video on YouTube. It wasn't music that you would think that you would want playing in the background when two adults are on a date. And it just seemed kind of cheesy, like little kid music. And I just don't think that that is a good message to be sending because these are adults that are trying to find a partner and have a relationship. They're not doing some cheesy cat video on YouTube. So I think that things like that, just the whole atmosphere can be changed a little bit so that it respects the people who were on the show. The second thing, and again, I know that this was a show, we were seeing clips, we're not seeing the entire picture, but there were times when they would show sessions that some of the people on the show were having with a therapist who was talking them through different social situations. And so some of the things that they were talking through would be similar to things that I've done in the past with my clients. Obviously, the students that I was working with were in elementary school. So the types of conversations that I would have been having were different than the types of conversations that these people were having because these are adults that are going on dates and I would be talking more along the lines of, okay, how do you go up and 
interact with your friends at recess or at lunch or in the hallway or interact with your teacher when you don't know the answer in class or something like that. So obviously, the context was a little bit different. The skills that she was working on were similar to what I would have been doing. But there were times that even she, just her tone of voice, I thought was a little bit condescending towards some of the people that she was talking to. And there were a couple cases, and again, maybe she explained some things a little bit differently when the cameras weren't there. I hope she did. But from what you were able to see in the actual show, the explanation and the way that she talked them through some of those situations was very superficial and could be considered just teaching them to mask or just act like a neurotypical person. So when I say masking, I mean that we are teaching them, instead of trying to just be successful in whatever situation that they're in, we're trying to just get them to conform to neurotypical behaviors. One example is that there was one person on the show and she said, okay, what do you do when your date walks in the room? How do you greet her? And she said, okay, you have to pull the chair out for them when they sit at the table. Well, okay, that is something that is expected in certain situations. That is a part of etiquette in some situations when you're going out to eat with someone. But if you just tell someone you need to pull the chair out for someone when they walk up to the table without getting them without giving them any context and you just try to script it and tell them this is a routine that you have to do, then sometimes it ends up being very rote and awkward when they do it and they don't really understand why they're doing it. And so you're really just focusing on, all right, how can we get you to act the right way instead of how can we get you to be successful? So what could have happened and what often could be more helpful is just figuring out, okay, what's the purpose behind this thing that I'm telling this person to do? And how could I help them to do what they need to do in order to be successful in that situation? So maybe it might not be every single time somebody walks into the room, you need to pull out the chair for them. Maybe we could explain that Okay, when somebody walks in the room, a lot of times it makes them feel nice when you look up at them and greet them and say hello to them. So really explaining the reasoning behind the behavior. A lot of times when there are interventions for for autistic people, it's more about let me show you how to do these behaviors and I'm just going to list them out to you and tell you that you need to act this way without understanding why, number one, they're not doing it in the first place, and number two, why we even do those behaviors. A lot of times when we're talking about social skills and social expectations, it really is a set of arbitrary rules that may or may not even be that important. Maybe you don't always have to follow the rules all the time. Maybe an autistic person who is in a relationship with someone who is neurotypical or is autistic, maybe they don't always have to follow those rules if there is an understanding between the them and the other person in that relationship. So I think that if we are going to have programs that show examples of how to help autistic people, we need to make 
sure to clarify that distinction so it doesn't just end up teaching them to mask their autism and just act like a neurotypical person, but inside feel really stressed about it and not really be acting in a way that's authentic to them and that's allowing them to have real connections with people who are fully accepting of them as a person. But aside from those things, I I really enjoyed this show. I I think it's just because, number one, they did include autistic people in the show. And a lot of the show was them having interviews with people and asking them questions about themselves. And it it was just really hard to not really get invested in these people as you watched them through the show and just really want to root for them. So because of that... I will continue watching. I don't know if if they have a second season, if they're going to have a continuation of the same people, or if they're going to have a new set of people who are participating. But because of that, I just, I really like shows about real people. So that aspect alone is enough for me to keep watching. And There were some things, even though I mentioned some things that I thought weren't perfect as far as showing examples of support or even just the portrayal of things, there were some things that I really appreciated seeing. One person on the show, Michael, was really into collecting toys, was really into comics, and he was having a conversation on a date He went to a comic convention with uh, one of the women who was also involved named Amanda. And again, it was a shared interest. So they didn't make it weird that they were into comics. They just said, all right, well, here's something that you can go do together. So I did like that. I did like how they encouraged those things. And there was one conversation that he was having with her that they showed where she went and got a plush toy of a certain, I think it was an anime character. And he said, you know, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I'm really into plushes. But that's not really something that people really think of as something that men do. So I don't tell a lot of people. So on one hand, I thought it was kind of sad that he feels like he can't talk about that. But at the same time, I also like how he just put it out there and said it. And when he just said, hey, I'm really into this, no one really made a big deal about it. So I liked that. I liked how, you know, nobody said, hey, you shouldn't talk about that. You shouldn't tell people that. They just let him have that conversation. So I thought that was at least a step in the right direction. One of the other things that I really enjoyed seeing There was one couple on the show named Shanae and Jimmy, and I just really liked watching the interactions that they had together. There were a couple situations where we got to see how she was just really supportive of him, and and both of them are autistic, but there were certain situations that were triggering to him where he got really anxious and We just got to see how she supported him through that. One example was he's he's really good at pool. He was going to be in a pool tournament and they showed up at the bar and there was some type of game on. So there were a lot of people at the bar that weren't normally there. 
and just all those people there and all the noise, it just was really a trigger for him. It really threw him off. He felt really anxious. And again, nobody made a big deal or she didn't make a big deal about it. She just said, okay, well, why don't we just go over here, have a drink? We'll just hang out for a minute. And and eventually he was able to calm down. The The place cleared out a little bit and he was able to to play the game and have a really good night. So it was just an example of how sometimes things happen. And in many situations like that, I've seen people not be very supportive when someone is either having a meltdown, and this might be a child having a meltdown. A lot of times a meltdown for a child will obviously look different than an adult who is feeling a lot of anxiety in a situation because something unexpected happened or something triggering happened. But sometimes I have seen people just say, you know what, you're just, you're being ridiculous. Just suck it up and deal with it like everybody else. And there was none of that. So that was really great to see. One other time this happened was that they were going out to dinner and he had a blue suit, a navy blue suit with brown shoes, and he forgot his blue socks, and he only had black socks. And it was really bothering him. He was really upset about it. He was doing some things that he does to calm himself and get regulated. One of his things that he liked to do to calm himself down was to do the Rubik's Cube, and it wasn't working. And she just sat there and said, you know what? You're upset. Let's just go get some socks. So they went got some socks, and had a great evening. So in that situation, he was clearly communicating that he was upset about something, and she acknowledged that, and they just they just dealt with it. And there was complete acceptance of what was happening, and she just allowed him to do what he needed to do in order to be able to move on with the evening. And sometimes what happens is that Instead of teaching someone to advocate and say, I'm anxious, this situation is bothering me, this thing here, if I don't deal with it, it's really going to bother me all evening. Instead, because whatever that may be might not look like what a neurotypical person might need to do, People are asked to just ignore those things. There might be certain situations where to a neurotypical person, it might seem like, why is this a big deal? To them, the way that they're wired, it doesn't make sense. But to an autistic person or to that specific autistic person, it might be something that however they're wired and whatever their triggers are, it might be something that causes them a lot of stress. Now, of course, you can work on these things. If someone wants to work on things like this and have a higher tolerance for unexpected things, that's definitely something that you can work on. But it can't be about what other people think is normal behavior. It has to be about what that person wants to do and how we're going to get them to that goal or whatever it is that they want to accomplish and how to help them live a healthy, productive life. I do think that there were some examples of that on the show. So aside from just really feeling invested in the people that I was able to watch, I do think that there's potential for this show for the future. And I do hope that 
the creators of the show take the feedback that they've gotten in the future seasons, but I'll definitely continue to watch it. So this is a good place to wrap up. I am curious to hear your opinion on these shows and if there are any other shows on similar topics that you've watched that you have found helpful, not helpful, and what you think. I'm always looking for good shows to watch on Netflix when I do have a little bit of downtime. Thank you so much for listening. As I wanted to mention before, if you have a child who does tend to kind of procrastinate or when you ask him to do some of these things like I'm mentioning and they get kind of overwhelmed, they're not really sure what the steps are to to take to actually do whatever it is that you're asking him to do. So let's say that you want him to go Oh, fold the laundry or or maybe do the laundry and they're not really sure what to do and they're getting kind of overwhelmed with it and aren't really sure how to to tackle that that chore or that task. The time tracking journal that I have is something that can help you to teach your kids a strategy that walks them through that process. And number one, gives them a strategy so that they can tell if they're on track and so that they can learn how to handle activities that require multiple steps so that they can be more organized, but also can help them to develop the self-talk that they need in order to monitor themselves so that they're not getting off track when they're doing whatever it is that they need to do on a day-to-day basis. So it can really improve those things and can also help them to be able to more effectively sense time. A lot of times when kids are digging their heels in and procrastinating, it's because they're getting overwhelmed because they're kind of thinking in their head, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever. Even though you can see that it's something that's not going to take that long, they might not be able to sense how long it's going to take so that they can actually plan enough time to get it done and so that they can motivate themselves to get it done because they know, you know what, it's not going to be that bad. I'm going to get it done and then I'm going to be able to do the other things that I want to do. Now is a great time to be working on those things with your kids because you might have a little bit of extra time that you might not have during the school year. To get that time tracking journal, you're just going to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. So for now, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, remember that it always helps us if you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find all of our episodes on Apple and most podcast directories and also on my site at drkarendudekbrannon.com. And you will be able to find the podcast tab and see all the episodes and scroll through all of them and listen to them there as well. Again, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for episode 19.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.